Cheryl Shaw, Dr. David Tabrett. Lovely to have you both in. It's been a week or two. It has. We had um, Kimberly mm. in last week. Dr. Kimberly, yes. Dr. Kimberly, it was very good to say hello to her again. I want to thank Kimberly for stepping in when both Dr. Paul and myself were unavailable. Because you, you live very busy lives, mm. you know. I think I was at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right, doesn't it, Cheryl? <laughs> now, Cheryl, what are we chatting about today? I thought I'd talk about dog's nails, just checking them to make sure they're the correct length. Because that's something we overlook. We do so often, particularly mm. dogs that don't get groomed. Okay, and David, uh, what are you going to talk to us about today? I'm hoping I can catch up on a topic uh, I wanted to talk about a few weeks ago, problems with wet weather and dogs. Yeah, mm. good one. Because it has been very humid. Correct. Oh, here we go. The phones have just gone crazy already. Jenny from Ellamore Vale. Now, you've got a four-month-old kitten who has razor-sharp claws, or they do, don't they? Uh, she's covered in blood. Oh, my goodness. So, you, so she's getting playful, Jenny? Is I mean, that the problem? Jenny, or? are you covered in blood? Oh, my leg is. Definitely my leg is. Um, she absolutely bolts and just runs up my leg. And oh. honestly, she's had me in tears so many times. I, look, I don't know what to do. And then she's got this habit. I, I think it's just because she loves me that she's biting like she, every time she gets excited and starts to cuddle me, she bites me as well. So I know okay. she's just a baby, but you know, is there yeah. something I can do to help her? There's a couple of things, um, and one of the th- one of the points that you've raised is this behaviour aspect. And being a four month old, that your kitten is um, both excitable and also not very well trained I guess or understands how to behave and so one of the things that we can do is work on how can we train that behavior which first of all might be don't run up the legs of people Um, and that can be quite difficult one of the things I would use is it sounds to me like your kitten has a lot of excess energy and so once they get very excited um, they'll run uh and bite, as you said, like it's just this huge kind of surge of energy and excitement that's happening. And so what we need to do is to use some toys. Moving toys are really good or laser lights. Um, my cat... I've got a laser. you got that? <laughs> you've got to have it handy, of course, haven't you? And it's also the problem with the laser light, though, is that you've got to get their attention to start with. So it sometimes it can't, um, it just may not be that obvious to the kitten. And right. so I like I, the things on, um, if you've got, you know, the toys that you get with stretchy cord on a stick where you can pull the toy around. I've got that as well. She's got um, plenty of toys and our playtime together is whenever she wants it. So there's no set time of the day that I, I allow 10 minutes for her. It's just that, if she wants playtime, she gets it. And I've got this huge, I'm five foot two in old measurement, and I've got this cat scratcher, which is like a tower, and she can climb up that, so she burns energy that way. But she's still, I mean, she's developing into a really naughty little kitten, and well, I'm finding that quite sad. Yeah. Mm, that's hard. It is, it is hard, and but it is something that changes over time, and she's not being naughty, but... Just her, the way that she plays and the fact that she's got sharp claws and sharp teeth can hurt you. And so we're trying to distract her. That's one thing. Second thing is probably 
over-exercising her with toys. You're saying that she's, you know, it's when she wants, which is fine because that's when her energy level demands it. But I would try and extend those periods or add an extra period where you're exercising her a bit more. Um, The other thing you can do, although I'm not sure about her age, but you can actually get both either her nails clipped, but the other thing is you can actually get little soft um, claw, the what are they called? Yeah, the soft paw. Soft. And they're little caps that fit little over caps. the nails. And yeah. yeah, they're available and online or you can um, get different people to put them on for you. But they're a really good idea because it just takes that sharp edge off um, getting scratched down the leg when you're walking down the hall. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that would be the other thing soft to try. Caps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would, tr- I would try those. And just keep doing the playing um, because obviously the more you do that, the more energy you burn up. And that will reduce the risk that she's going to run up your leg. Yeah, um, my leg. I, I mean, it, it's so bad now that it, I've had to wrap a towel around my leg so that so she, she can't get at it. Yeah. Well, to protect the skin. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, so that that might lead us into your discussion perfectly, Cheryl, which is on nail clipping. Yes. Um, so with cats, you're saying rather than trimming, soft paws is, is the way to go to put a little cap on those nails. How long does it last for? Okay, so you can actually cut cats' nails as well. But some people are, you know, a bit anxious about cutting them yeah. because they don't want to cut into that, into that vein, into that quick where all the nerve endings are. And it is very painful if you do get a bleed on a cat or a dog. But the little soft paws, they um, they work by these little caps sit over the top of the nail and they're just glued on. They, Depending on the cat's activity, sometimes cats do scratch a lot, so they'll be scratching their, their scratching post and will pull them off. But most of the time they last probably about a month and they're quite That's good. Okay. And particularly when you've got this young kitten, because this kitten is really just wanting to play. It doesn't know it's actually harming its owner. So if she was to use those soft caps, that would really help a lot. Okay. Mm. And they come in different colours. Yeah. (laughs) So she can have red nails for a month. Or multicoloured. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they're very easy to put on. So, you know, if you've got a cat that you just, when it's quiet time, pop it on your lap and then get their little claws and just, you push on the, on the, the actual digit itself and the claw will come out and then you just put the cap on and they set very quickly. Okay, because I could imagine a lot of owners scared to to clip cat's nails in particular as well, obviously for hurting the cat, but also getting scratched. Yeah, (laughs) I would be quite scared of being ripped apart. Yeah, and some cats just don't like that that feeling on their feet. So if you play with the kitten's feet a lot, that can really help to um, set yourself up to be able to cut those claws regularly. Yeah, that's another part of the, the overall training, like particularly in young animals, and whether it's this problem that Jenny's had or just even talking about any pet dog or cat getting them used to being handled like with their paws over their face in their ears Mm. lifting their lip they're the sort of things that we talk to people about to get their pet comfortable with those handling Mm. procedures whether it's at home or at the vet's office so that you know it's less stressful for the pet Okay, Cheryl, how important is it to be trimming our pet's nails? Okay, so when you've got a young puppy, I always like to cut their nails probably about every two weeks because what we're trying to do is to set up a pattern of getting the 
the puppy used to having its nails cut, but also puppies' nails, just like that kitten, they have really sharp nails and they do scratch. So by cutting the nails regularly, we're able to get a message to the small nerve that's inside the nail bed. In the, in the matrix, there's a, a, a bundle of nerves and blood vessels. And if we cut too close to them or cut through them, it'll make a bleed. But if we keep cutting the nails regularly, we can actually get those um, blood vessels to recede or to shrink back a bit so we can have nice, healthy nails, nice and short. Because when nails grow long, and particularly for dogs that may be um, not getting regular grooming so they don't get their nails checked regularly, their nails can get really long (laughs) and they'll they'll tap the ground and instead of just being able to walk normally, it'll make the dog's toes or digits um, sort of bend. So when the the nail is striking the ground, it makes the end of the, the phalanges bend out. And what happens with that? It can then create problems through the toes and into the, the carpus, into the wrist area of the pet. And that's really um, quite awful because some dogs their gait will change the way they walk will change and also dogs that have long nails can um, not have really stable footing so when they're walking up steps they can slip and then they begin quite scared and they won't go up steps so it is an important thing to check how long the nails are the other thing is that some nails grow continually like the dew claw and because they're not getting any attrition at all on the ground they'll curl around and they'll actually go into the dog's um, skin and that can be extremely painful for the pet. And in, often David in that case they need to see the vet to get some antibiotics it's really important if an infection gets there. Absolutely and there's been some that I've had where the nail has grown all the way through, penetrated through the skin, mm. and these are incredibly painful. Wow. So in the wild, they're, they're getting their nails down more. Is that correct? Like if a dog was in the wild, obviously it's not getting its nails cut. Is that because they're yeah, using so them Like more a Jack Russell or something like that, which would be going in to chase a rabbit or a rat, and it's digging and, and scratching and Scotty Terriers, things like that. They used to wear their nails down. But now most of our pets are living inside. They're on soft carpet. Some of them don't touch the ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. What about other animals? What about birds, for example? Oh, yeah, birds. That's really important to make sure that they've got a, a number of things happening for birds. They need to have different shaped size um, perches so that the perches that they're, they're sitting on are allowing their toes to, um, to expand out and to extract back. So their nails also, if they get really long, will prevent them from being able to use their toes properly. And so they, their toenails will actually grow around, just like with mm. those dew claws. I have seen one of the things about talking about birds and their nails is that Sometimes I have had to trim birds' nails, um, claws, I guess. They're Mm. not actually a nail. But it's always indicative of a problem with their perch setup. And so in some cases we find, yeah, like you said, Cheryl, we want to make sure we've got different diameter uh, perches that they're on, whether that's a native tree or we're buying them from, um, you know, the pet store or wherever it is, you don't want to just get the same piece of dowel, no. the one size, because that will actually also, not just the nails, but it also puts pressure on their feet yes. as well. So all of these things are connected, obviously. When we come back, we're talking about bandicoots, David. Okay. I hope you know a lot about I, bandicoots because we've got a few questions. I've treated a few. Oh, have you? Yes. God, it's not much you haven't done, is there? We'll mm. be, we're going to go to the phones now. Uh, hello, Jennifer in Waratah. You've got a bit of an issue with a bandicoot. 
Well, no, my son does. He lives at New Lambton and he spent a lot of time and effort building a most beautiful, non-productive vegetable garden because the bandicoots feast every night. In New Lambton? Yes. Would there be a non-harmful way to get rid of them? I know you can put pepper on gardens and that's supposed to repel cats. Mm. Well, I, su- I suppose that would be the sort of thing you might try. I haven't had an experience of having to remove bandicoots. Um, they, we don't normally come across them because they are nocturnal and they're fairly uh, reclusive. Um, vegetable garden, they're not. No, not. He's <laughs> got a screen he puts over it, and I think they treat it as a trampoline and playtime. <laughs> well, I would probably go with your first instinct is to use something that would be safe for, say, a cat. or, um, But I have had the times when we've talked to people about, for instance, putting chilli powder on things and uh, sauce on uh, things that they don't want animals to touch. Yep. And then the animal pet I'm talking about goes and just eats it or licks it or whatever. They don't seem to necessarily have the same reaction to some of those things. I do remember advising people years ago about using Tabasco sauce and then someone said, oh, my cat loves Tabasco sauce. So I don't know if you could try that. I guess it's probably it's certainly going to be pretty safe. There's, it's not going to be harmful. Wouldn't be harmful. They've got a um, border collie too. Um, R- right. Who also is frightened of the bandicoots. Oh, and but it is the border collie's not eating the, the veggies though. No, me neither. No. Okay. <laughs> well, hello, bandicoots. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, but because they're native and, um, you know, we want to look out for our native uh, species, the fauna. So I, I would think that probably a chilli powder or, or sauce would be a, a suitable way to uh, scare them off. There is another thing that you could try. Um, years ago I was advised somebody came to, to my business to actually pick up some used dog's hair. They wanted to use it to get rid of possums in their rose garden. So I don't know whether it worked or not, but the smell of the, the dog hair was a deterrent for the possums. Ah, oh, okay. That might be perfect because she's got a lot of hair. There That's you a go. great. You've got bandicoots at the moment as well, Yeah, Cheryl. they've been digging up the lawn. I think they're after the macadamia nuts because it's all around where the macadamia tree is, which are dropping at the moment. So there's all of these hollows throughout our lawn. Gee, I wonder where you'd be able to get some dog hair oh, from. Just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there you go. Let us know how you go. We would love to hear, Jennifer. Thanks, Jennifer. 49216216. Louise in Glendale, you've got a dash hound, uh, only five months old, but it keeps attacking you. Yes, I rang you before Christmas um, and I told you when my son was getting me a little dash hound. Anyway, I've had this little dash hound since he was six weeks and four days and he sort of, um, he lashes onto my legs and he bites me, something shocking. He, he's bitten all my arms um, and oh I can't have socks on because he just um, lashes at me <gasps> and if I smack him, he comes back full on worse. Oh yeah, yeah you don't want don't, to do that smacking. Don't smack him. Mm. Don't smack him because that's just part of the game. That's the first thing. Um, so there's a couple of just little quick questions. First of all, is your dog desexed? No, no, he's not. That at will, the moment. That will help. Right. Um, 
Second thing is, have you done any puppy preschool or training with him? We done the puppy school at the Edgeworth, um, the vets there. Yes. And he played up the whole time. Um, and he was full on and she could see what he was like. We were actually doing a class every Sunday at Hillsborough. Um, but any other dog he barks at, well, that's quite normal. And there's only him and me in the house 24-7. But when I first got him, I sat down for three weeks and I just played with him and, and everything. And maybe it started from there. I don't know. Well, certainly, I mean, that could be a factor, but let's just remember this, that your little one is only five months of age. So that we, we've still got plenty of time with training and things like that. We often talk to people about behavioural problems and particularly with older dogs, um, you know, where the dogs are anxious and things like that, we talk about medication to allow us to then use better training techniques. But right. in, in this situation, I'm just going to say you can just go straight into more training. And um, you're already doing that on a Sunday, but we need to up, uh, step that up and start doing stuff every day. Right. I do take him down to the card vet, um, and the vet there, Andrew, he just says to me, oh, he's just a puppy, and I'm saying, yes, I know he's a puppy, but yes. he's biting me something shocking. Yes. Mm. So so we have to we have to look at this in a couple of ways. And you can speak further with the vets about more behaviour training or even through, would there be additional resources, Cheryl, through Hillsborough? Because um, Yeah, if you Louise actually speak to one of the people there and, and let them know that you're having a lot of trouble and they'll do a one-on-one with you and be able to give you some advice and things to follow. But certainly um, with your puppy being so young, making sure that you're getting out and about and exercising your dog a lot, it's obviously got a lot of energy. And so mm. if it's taken for lots of walks, you may find that's a little bit more settled when you come home and not so wanting to um, to, to bite you as, as such when it's playing. So I think um, a little bit more one-on-one with a, with a trainer and right. um, and more exercise could really help um, you know that puppy to be a little bit tighter. Yeah. Let us know how you go, Louise. Good luck. <clears throat> now, Paul in Chisholm, you've got a poodle Maltese cross, and every evening after dinner, she does a breakdance routine on her face, and yep, she's that's... twelve. Can you explain this breakdance routine? Well, she um, she drops down. Uh, um, she stays upright. She drops her front legs down and rotates her face on a piece of carpet or a nearby rug, whatever she can get to. Uh, it lasts, oh, you know, she does it for probably 30, 30 seconds up to a minute. She doesn't appear to be at all distressed. Uh, she's not making any particular, you know, distressing noises. Um, and, and to be honest, it's quite funny to watch. It's, you know, it's quite hysterical because yeah. she goes round and round and round. Um, now, you know, we, we've checked her eyes all the time. There doesn't appear to be anything, anything wrong there and there's no discharge or anything like that. And apart from that, I mean, she's not itching her, her eyes or her ears during the normal part of the day. So it's just this after a meal, she just does this routine. Mm. My dog's done that as well. Yeah. After, yeah. after dinner. Yeah, sort of shuffles sign, around. S- sign of a good meal. Well, that's what I thought, but... That's what, well, the thing I would be thinking, Paul, is that I'm wondering what uh, your little one's teeth are like and whether we've got some gum disease there um, mm. that has been exacerbated by eating 
you know, just irritates the gum a little bit. Um, and so she's just rubbing her face, kind of like, you know, if you get a piece of food stuck in the teeth after a meal, um, mm, you yeah. can't give her a toothpick, but she goes and rubs her face and maybe then it feels better after that. That's That would certainly be my first thought, particularly with her breed being a poodle Maltese cross and her age 12 mm. and um, the fact that it's occurring after dinner. That okay. I would want to see what her dental health is like. There's yeah. a couple of other things that potentially could be, but number one, two, and three would be dental disease. Number four might be some sort of allergic response, um, and then there is another condition they can get with low blood calcium, but that's um, very unlikely. So, mm. All right. We have had a full dental examination done within the last six months. This is a matter of routine. Mm. Uh, she did have some extractions done, um, but as far as we would be aware, she should be okay from that perspective. Um, and yeah, okay. <laughs> well, we, we'll go back to the vet anyway and uh, get him to do another check over. Yeah, I'm just wondering if maybe she's getting some food caught then. Yeah, if that's okay. what's happening. But get a get another full check over and. Um, just mention those other things I was talking about with allergies and so on, but it, they're much less likely. So, mm. okay. 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 Thanks. Thanks, Thank Paul. Thank that, you. that was very interesting, that one. Thank you, Paul. Mm. Christine in Hawks Nest, a question for David Tabrit today. Yes. Hi. How are you? Hi, Christine. How can we help? Um, I've got a seven week old ragdoll kitten, and I'm not sure when we should get her desexed. Well, there's a couple of uh, different guidelines we can use. Traditionally, we used to say at six months of age. Um, But for some, they can actually be, uh, you know, fertile and get out and attract the boys at that age. So oftentimes we will get them de-sexed earlier. One of the guidelines I know that the RSPCA uses is they need to have a body weight of one kilogram. Okay. Which is not that much. So... Oftentimes, they will hit that kind of one kilo weight, um, depending on your cat. I mean, if you had a Maine Coon, often they might be born that size. But yeah. um, but for a little cat, you know, they might be three or four or five months. So okay. it can certainly be before the six months of age. Um, if you haven't, if we haven't got to that size before that, certainly speak with your local vet and I would say they'd they're probably going to advise six months of age. Okay. And do you have any tips or tricks for training them? Because she's pretty feisty at the moment. Yes. Well, we've been discussing that today, haven't we? So. <laughs> they seem yeah. to be. It's a, it's a kitten kind of day. They're, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. they're playful. Lots of energy. So you need um, a couple of different types of toys, I think, yep. is really good. And we also heard... Uh, from Jenny that, you know, she's got the scratching pole and she's got the, the yep. cat tower, um, right. which is, and some of those have built-in play um, toys on them. Um, yep. Using a laser light to s- a spot on the wall or on the floor is good for the cat to run around and you, okay. don't, you don't have to move. That's the biggest advantage. <laughs> um, but otherwise, uh, I, I do like the little things that you trail along and the cat can yep. jump on them. Um, you yep. can now get automated ones, though, yep. know, like automated okay. mice. And actually, oh, that's cool. I just remembered there's, a, um, there's an app that you can get, and I've had it for my iPad, and the cat um, 
plays with it, and I can't remember its name, but I think it's like painting by cats. And there's a li- little mice that runs on the screen, and when <laughs> the cat... Oh, my gosh, you're kidding. She smacks it, and you can set a colour palette, and, and every time she smacks the screen, if she, <gasps> if she hits the mouse, it makes a noise, and it, and it leaves a little paw print. Oh, my... So oh, the cat wow. actually plays on the iPad? Yeah. That's out of control. My cat always gets it and then looks underneath to see where the mouse oh, went. Oh, that's hilarious. No, but it gets better. It gets better. At the end, you've now got a painting done by your cat and you can save it and share it with your friends. Of course you can. Oh, that is unreal. There you go. Well, that'll keep you going, Christine. It's a good little that's toy. Great. That's hilarious. But yeah. d- doesn't the nails damage the iPad? Uh, they don't really use that. It's the, just more a smack with the pad. They smack it, yeah. Oh, well, what will they think of next? I never. Can't I, believe I that. Okay, let's go to another call. Let's go to Leon uh, in Valentine. Now, you've got a Maltese, 17 years old. Wow, amazing age. Uh, but getting a bit of dementia and you're just wondering whether there's medication to help because there's some problems like running into doors, which would... Distressing, isn't it, when they get older? That's right. Um, I spoke to my vet and um, she said, um, like human beings, uh, dogs get uh, old and get uh, dementia. And um, I didn't inquire about medication and and she never really offered any um, solutions to it. But I was just wondering, um, uh, is there any medication he can can take to help him? He's, look, he's, he's eating well, and so his quality, of, and he still goes for walks with me. Um, yep. So his quality of life's still there. Um, the vet said, look, if he starts to stop eating and um, doesn't want to walk, then come and see her. Um, but at the moment, look, he's, he's, he hasn't lost any weight, um, and he's going for walks with me uh, regularly. So his quality of life's still yep. there, but at night he wanders around the house yeah, yeah, seemingly lost, and he, yeah, he, he, you know. So I, I also use toilet timing. Luckily, I've got tiles downstairs, but uh, I use toilet timing now. Uh, whereas he used to use the cat flap to get out, right? Uh, and he can't find that now. So I take we take him out regularly uh, to do his business, and yep. um, and so that works quite well. But look, I've heard human beings have had um, medication for dementia. And, uh, I was just wondering if there's anything uh, we can do for a dog. Yeah, that's a, a really good question and some important topics there. One thing I would ask is just making sure, um, what's your little one's vision like? Uh, look, he's, he, his vision is deteriorated, obviously, with age. Yes. But look, he can still see. Yeah, okay. Uh, he has, he has uh, obviously, some uh, symptoms of cataracts. But, uh, look, he can still see. And uh, when we go for a walk... Um, he still heals. He, he, I take him for a walk without a lead, believe it or not. He still heals after all this time. Wow. He stays, he stays behind me. I taught him when he was a pup. Yeah. So uh, yep. he, he stays behind me. He stops. He more, it's, it's more now uh, 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 reacts to voice commands rather than visual yep. commands now. Yeah. I used to be able to wave my arm to go and uh, he'd go across the road. But now I, I don't take that risk. I... <laughs> I listen to him. I stay very close to him now, and he and he listens to my voice. So um, yeah. yeah, and and the pattern of nighttime sleep changes and wandering around at night is typical for what we see with. Um, well, we do call it canine dementia, and otherwise it's known as cognitive dysfunction. 
So yeah. that, that does fit with that pattern as well. There's a couple of things, and that's why I asked about the vision is because, um, you know, just making sure that those aspects are covered. But um, there are some diets that can be helpful. Um, how effective is probably a bit variable. And there is yeah. some medication, which primarily what we want to do is make sure there's no other um, thing like heart disease, which could be restricting blood flow. To no, he's been checked brain. thoroughly. His heart's still okay. Yep, that's great. Uh, so I take him to the vet at least once every couple of months. Um, and look, he's thoroughly checked out. Yep. And, of course, I don't want him to suffer. Yeah. So no, but if he's still... I take him. Yeah, the, the couple of things on quality of life is the sleeping thing, you can actually get some medication, which might help with that. But it's so variable. It's often a matter of trying and seeing if something works, but there's no guarantees that it'll work. And then in terms of assessing um, quality of life is that if they're still, you know, more good days than bad days, and also if they don't have um, pain when they're moving around and they're able to eat, they've still got their appetite. So they're the things I would always kind of assess and maybe even keep a little notebook on how you're assessing that because over time you may not actually notice deterioration and then someone else comes along and says wow they've gone downhill but because you're seeing them all the time you're not really seeing that and i've had that experience with my own pets where you know mm. we don't really notice it yeah. until someone points it out yeah. but if you use a little scale quality of life you can look these up online as well for pet quality of life Okay. Yeah, thank yep. you for the call and good luck with your pooch. Uh, okay, well, we're just about out of time, but we do have time to look at our dog of the week. And I did say I'm a bit excited about this one, Hooch. I love cute. that name. Now, Hooch is a nine-week-old male boxer cross mastiff mix. Oh, God, he's, <laughs> there's, he's sitting on a little chair in the yard in these photos, and he is adorable. He's a lovely, placid nature. He loves the company of dogs and people of all ages. He's just a lover. Get this, he currently lives with seven other puppies, a very energetic one-year-old uh, and a medium-sized dog as well. So uh, obviously he's quite socialised in terms of other dogs and people. Um, he does like to go away for some quiet time. Obviously it gets very busy there. So he has kids at the moment, um, and apart from pinching their toys to get their attention, he's just beautiful with them. So he's a clever boy. Um, he's learning to, to sit, to wait, to toilet in all the appropriate places, and the training's gone really well. He's not desexed yet, so that will happen before he goes. But look, if you're interested in Hooch, really, he's just a gorgeous-looking boy. He's a cutie. He's a cutie patootie, yep. as I like to say. He's going to be a fair size, though. He's going to look how big his paws are already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But look, go check him out if you're in the market for a bigger dog. Four nine two. Uh, well, you can call us or go to two and you Head to Pet Chat and look at our pet of the week. That's um, it. So, Sarah, just a quick update. Uh, we did have a vet call in and remind me because I'm in ER. I don't know all these things that kittens should be desexed at four months of age. Ah, uh, thank you. Yes. I think that was Dr. Christine. Mark that yes, Dr. Mark uh, phoned Rang. Thank, thank you, you, Dr. Mark. Appreciate. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.